Hello and welcome again to The Scrum, the WGBH podcast, where for the most part we talk about politics and political media. I'm Adam Riley. Preliminary elections for Boston City Council seats were pretty sleepy with one notable exception. In District 4, Andrea Joy Campbell, a lawyer from Mattapan who's a political neophyte, trounced longtime incumbent Charles Yancey, who, by the way, has held his seat for more than three decades. So now Campbell and Yancey are going to be fighting up to the general election to see who ends up representing District 4, which some listeners will know encompasses parts of Roslindale, Jamaica Plain, Mattapan, and Dorchester. So, Callie Crossley here with me now, the host of Under the Radar, and Valerie Linson, executive producer of Basic Black and Open Studio. What is going on here and why did Charles Yancey get, it seems to me, surprised the way he did. He said to the Boston Globe um, after the election results were in, everyone should be concerned when someone with no real experience is getting more votes than someone with incredible experience, almost kind of a Trumpian quote, Valerie, you're shaking your head, why? I think he totally got surprised. I mean, if you're going to say that after an election, you weren't paying attention to the kind of campaign that she was building up. She started early. I remember seeing flyers and her Facebook page very early on, and I thought, hmm, that's really curious. She looked like she was really trying to start a campaign that was strong out of the gate. Uh, you know, Yancey has had uh, opponents before. Uh, the one that I remember uh, most memorably was uh, Ego Izidi uh, in 2003, and that got really nasty. I seem to recall then-State Senator Diane Wilkerson riding to the rescue. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but I recall an open letter published in the Bay State Banner basically telling people that they should rally around Yancey and not go for Izidi. But am I wrong? Is this my memory incorrect? I don't really remember that okay. letter. I just remember the encounters when it came to debates between the two of them got really personal. I think with Andrea Campbell, what she ran was a very modern, uh, almost business-like uh, campaign. But she also, I think, took a, a, a page out of the uh, Barack Obama uh, ground game uh, kind of campaign, and it really it paid off for her. Kelly Crossley, what's your take on this result last night? Well, I couldn't agree more on the uh, taking a page from Barack Obama's ground game, because she has been the queen of the door knockers. Um, as a matter of fact, the Boston Globe devoted a whole piece to her sun up to sundown door knocking. Uh, you know, people talk about door knocking, but what they really mean is, you know, three hours here, four hours there. She has been out there from the moment the sun comes up to the nighttime because A, she has a huge district to cover, and B, I think she's smart enough to realize that there is an area in Mattapan itself, which is the heart of, used to be the heart of the district, and that's pretty much Yancey's base, his loyal base. But there are all these other areas that got added when the district got revised that he is not strong in, that people don't know him or his history as much as they uh, don't know her. So fresh face, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. Again, back to Valerie's point about being completely businesslike. Here's, here are the issues that I've heard you say. Here's what I'm going to do. I have a plan and a program. And um, I bet you for a lot of those people, it's the first time they met the District 4 city councilor, hmm. or, okay. or one that proposes to be, rather. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that because both of you, up until I think that point, had sort of highlighted what Andrea Campbell had done well. But obviously, this isn't just a referendum on Andrea Campbell, but also on Charles Yancey. Has he been not getting out and about as much as he should? Well, I'm talking about in the new areas, the expanded the areas. areas. I, I would say that he is not as well known. 
he is always out and about and that is also his strength so she has really got to get people to know her um, and get get people to be interested in her and what and to believe that she can accomplish what he manages to do by being out and about and knowing the names of somebody's kids uh, always showing up at the appropriate ceremonies having people come to community ceremonies that he has made popular I mean that's his strength and after all isn't that what a city councilor is supposed to have, a base of community folks who feel comfortable calling him and knowing that he will respond. Valerie Linson, what's your take on how Charles Yancey has comported himself in the district in the last few years? I mean, he was elected, I believe in 1983, in the same election that brought Tom Menino into the city council. Um, is he still as uh, vibrant a elected official and campaigner as he was three decades ago, or two decades ago, or one decade ago, or has he lost a bit? Um, I was not here in 1983 when he That's burst onto us. the scene. <laughs> um, but, and, and I'm not sure about the, the, the phrase vibrant. I would say that he is consistent. He is definitely always out in the crowds. I know every year that his, his book fair, the book fair. Uh, is, is going to come, and he has a very loyal base. Um, that will, you know, really do the groundwork for him. I think now that um, Andrea has gotten his attention, it's really going to be a fight, and it'll be really interesting. I mean, I think it'll be ultimately good for the district to see this kind of uh, back and forth and to see the kind of, you know, campaign that Andrea's going to run and, you know, maybe a, a glimpse into the kind of um, administrator or counselor uh, that she could be. Uh, so I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, and I don't think that, that Yancey has lost anything necessarily over the years, uh, but I would say that he's been consistent and he's built up a very loyal base. Let me just add that when he ran for mayor, which made no sense to me, but I, upon reflection, I think it was just to have more people, have a bigger, bigger platform, have more people know who he is, all right? Um, but having moderated one of those events with, there were 9,900 candidates, he had something to say, something thoughtful, something that had some facts uh, to go with it, um, something that demonstrated that I've been around a while and I know where the bodies are buried and, you know, don't just try to sweep this under the rug. People responded to it. Whether or not he was serious, he was able to make himself seen and heard. Maybe that pays off for him now. I would just um, like to add that also uh, he is very active in the council itself. He will always be the one to call a committee meeting about either police brutality or, you know, students in the schools. And, you know, people will look to him for leadership in the council. They may not see him on the street in those districts Callie was talking about, but they will see him in the council. Let me ask you, I want to ask you about Yancey's base compared with the base that Andrea Campbell's trying to cultivate. Peter Kadz is our colleague here at WGBH has a sort of a class-based take on this. He believes that Andrea Campbell is catering to, and I'm putting words in Peter's mouth here, so I should be careful, but perhaps more middle-class, well-educated voters, including, for the most part, voters of color, while Charles Yancey, he thinks of as, and this is his phrase, not mine, as a sort of African-American dapper O'Neill with appeal in blue-collar neighborhoods and to blue-collar voters. Now, leaving aside the fact that Dapper O'Neill was known for horrible, offensive comments, the likes of which I can't recall Councillor Yancey ever making, is there something to Peter's looking at this race through a class-based lens? 
See, I don't think so. Um, well, there's always something to look at. Let, let me put it this way: there, in the context of when you talk about class, class yeah. usually has some some part to play. But to the degree that, as I'm understanding where Peter stands, um, I think there's always been a mix when it comes to politics uh, for for black voters, uh, so that uh, working class folks and middle class folks very often pull the lever for the same person because they're addressing some common needs. I don't see the needs of middle class voters in that district being so far afield from uh, lower class voters, for lack of a better expression, or working class voters that they wouldn't come together around some commonalities. And, and I'm desperately thinking now, what, what could that be? Oh, well, maybe if we had kept the the Olympic bid. Maybe there might be issues about location and venue about around which middle class voters would take a lead on it. But damn skippy, it would still affect <laughs> the the working class people so they would have a voice as well. Uh, so I I don't just because she comes across as middle class, mm -hmm. she was born in Mattapan. Um, you know, and pretty much not all middle class uh, black people are making a, about to make a sweeping generalization to this extent. Um, many, many folks of her generation and others, and certainly in his, uh, grew up in communities where there is a mix of social income and people interact with each other. It's probably less so now that people who have money can move out of those communities and have. Um, so those numbers have changed. But there's a lot of mingling, and there, as I say, a lot of commonality of interests and, and concerns. Valerie, do you think that Kelly um, hit the nail on the head right there? Would you add anything, take issue with anything? I think Callie hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you know, middle class folks and, and working class folks, they want the same things. They want good schools, you know, they want safe neighborhoods, they want the trash picked up. I don't, I don't think that there was so much of a class divide uh, you know, she, she, her work background and her, her professional background certainly is middle class, but that's not really what she ran on. All right, two more quick questions for you guys. You mentioned the Olympic bid a moment ago, Callie. The Olympic bid, obviously, among other things, really elevated Tito Jackson's mm -hmm. profile on the council. So Tito is now a, a counselor of color with a very, very, you know, strong, established reputation. Ayanna Presley uh, has worn a comparable hat for a few years now. I feel like Tito sort of uh, maybe came into his own a little bit later than Ayano, although maybe I'm wrong about that. But they are both seen now, I think, as forces to be reckoned with. And I'm wondering if you two think the rise of Tito Jackson and Ayanna Presley might make it easier for a newcomer like Andrea Campbell to get onto the council and to bump off an established counselor of color like Charles Yancey? Or is that a not, you know, is that not a, not a factor the way I'm suggesting? Hmm. You can just make something up. If, I mean, I just made it up, but. I, I mean, that, that's hmm. interesting. I'm, I'm not sure that that's entirely correct, but it, she would certainly, you know, if Campbell wins, uh, join this whole cadre of new, new generational politics or politicians. Um, you know, you mentioned Ayanna Presley and uh, Tito Jackson. Uh, but there's also like uh, Dorsina, uh, Linda Dorsina Forey in the and, state senate, um, in right? the state senate, and Michelle Wu Michelle who's on Wu. on the council. Uh, so there is it's more of a generational thing, and probably less. I'm thinking less of a black-white issue because when you look in some of the districts that um, uh, and look in the district where where Andrea uh, Campbell just uh, won uh, the preliminary election, 
there are a lot of black immigrants, new black immigrants, uh, and that population is really rising. So it may not be just this whole, you know, young black people kind of thing. Uh, it, it could be larger than that. And, into, and then back to the, the whole middle class thing, a lot of the on-the-rise immigrants are business people. So if you want to talk about middle class, it's going across uh, groups and demographics. Um, and, and we can't forget that because of the expansion of the district, there are all these other people out there, um, and they could be middle class, working class, Rosendale and uh, all yeah. the rest of these areas. So uh, newcomer, it's all new to them, I guess I'm saying, in that district, because, you know, they don't know they him either. They watching Charles yeah, Yancey right. for 30 exactly. years. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's it, to who can make themselves known, who can make themselves believed. I think authenticity is a key here. And most importantly, since this is a district with low voter turnout traditionally, who can get folks to the polls? I just wanted to add, thinking about um, Andrea Campbell's, um, your, her, her victory, what I would like to know more about is uh, who is mentoring her. You know, who she is someone who is cl clearly now in the political pipeline uh, for other things. So who is it that is uh, advising her? Uh, who is sitting at the at the table? You know, uh, pushing for her. Um, that would just be really interesting to to you know as the days go by, you know, look at. And if he is not actively doing it, I presume she took a page from Deval Patrick. Well, for whom she used to work. And as we know, his very first run into politics was as governor. Yeah, he did <laughs> so, pretty well yeah. in that so, inaugural run. Yeah. Right. Um, and nobody knew him. I remember people yeah. sort of snickering at, you yes. know, who the hell is this guy? Right. Who does he think he is? Right. You know, Tom they, Riley had the nomination sewed up, except he didn't. Right. What were you going to say? Uh, they couldn't even pronounce his name. It was like, who? Devoo? So, you know. <laughs> Duval. I always enjoyed Duval. Yeah. Sometimes it was Patrick Duval. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right, my last question for you, too. Uh, is there a chance that the fact that Andrea Campbell has some noteworthy endorsements, including Emily's List, which obviously is a national group, that she apparently has done quite well uh, when it comes to fundraising in a way that I, I don't think Charles Yancey has thus far. Is this going to become an outsider, insider sort of thing where he says, you know, she's trying to take advantage of these forces outside your district to win election, but I'm authentically of this district and that's why you should vote for me? Well, you know, you can say whatever you want. Again, I have to go back to there's huge parts of the district that he's an outsider. People do not know him. Uh, she has plenty of room to run in all of those areas and to say to the people even in his area, but you know, I'm a Mattapan girl. I was born right here. You all raised me up so that I could get to the point where I was on Deval Patrick's legal team. And now I want to give back and represent you. Sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely agree with Callie, and I think given the amount of money that she's raised, now she's able to craft her message. So that if he's going to paint her as an outsider, she can come back with some TV commercial, some radio, something, some messaging that just, you know, totally contradicts what he's putting out. All right, as you're saying that, I'm thinking that the the perfect way to do that would be if she has a picture of herself as a little kid going to Charles Yancey's book fair, which would kind of kill two birds with one stone, right? Youth versus age, and she's of the district. All right, anything else you two want to add, or does that cover it? Um, I just wanted to say, with regard to this sort of out-of-state funding, um, it's been, I think, pretty across the board that most black candidates 
I, I could even maybe expand that to most candidates of color have to get outside funding. It's a struggle for them to get funding, period. That's just the way it is, it has been. And most of them get outside funding. And by that, I mean outside the state. That's so I'm just particularly those who have, you know, come into the political arena, um, I don't want to say recently, within the last couple of decades. I mean, let's look at Deval Patrick, where his money came from. Let's, we can name any others. You know, Ayanna Presley. Other people outside of the state are very interested in uh, uh, even uh, Charlotte Golar Ritchie got a lot of uh, out-of-state funding. It's, it's a struggle here for candidates of color, and they, they got to try to, they can't compete if they don't have the money and if they have to go where the money is. All right, let's leave it there. Valerie Linson, Kelly Crossley, thank you both. That is going to do it for the latest installment of The Scrum. Just a friendly reminder, you can find links to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or on our website at wgbhnews.org slash scrum. You can also send comments or ideas our way or at scrum at wgbh.org. Our producer is Amanda McGowan. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News. Mm -hmm.